Politicocracy. Lawrence.com's politics and culture talk show. And by Larry Craig's gaping crapper stance, we are back to the roundtabling bitch festery of old. Oh, my God. Yes, we're putting the pundit back in punditocracy. Although we're having trouble putting the ocracy back in because it's holding out for more money. God, everyone's being affected by this looming Writers Guild strike. Ocracy has gone so Hollywood. But I'm Gavin, and joining us, finally, <laughs> after the longest absence in punditocracy's recording history, Aaron Wiley. Welcome back, Aaron. What's up, man? Not much. Jesus. I heard you've been uh, you know, recording punditocracy episodes without me. Yes, that's because uh, I don't like the way you smell, well, and I'm also a raging egomaniac who loves the sound of his own voice. Now the truth comes out. <laughs> uh, but again, yes. Well, and I was in a federal penitentiary for a while, too, so... Yeah, well, you know. we'll, we'll, we'll get into some of the reasons for our absence uh, right. in a moment, but uh, let's get some of the business out of the way. Again, Aaron Wiley, I'm Gavin Lessig. Please contact us. Pounding the pundit at yahoo.com, even though I don't think I've checked that email account in a year. Feel free to still email. Boy, you're really. It doesn't go out. You're of, really encouraging people to send their comments and concerns into us. Yes, I would love to hear some feedback, although a more direct route might be just to leave comments on lawrence.com or visit www.myspace.com backslash punditocracy, where we've been actually fairly frequently been updating the blogs and the videos and the whatnots. And for uh, those of us who've been with us since punditocracy's days on KJHK, one Mr. Richard Coulter has been, well, he's resurfaced. He's come from the wilderness, kind of figuratively, although not technically. I think he's gone all uh, militia and is hiding in a bunker somewhere, Ted Kaczynski style, in Appalachia. I'm not sure, but he's, he is emailing correspondence. I'm not sure where he's getting the hot spots uh, down in uh, Virginia in, in the haulers, uh, but he has been sending us some missives um, that are, well, let's just say they're vintage Richard Coulter. So oh, if anybody is... It's classic Richard Goulter. Yeah. Uh, he, the most recent uh, blog he posted on Lawrence.com uh, really sums up, I think, what Richard Goulter is all about. And uh, I believe the title of it was Hillary Rodham Clinton Wants to Kill You. So for those looking for and, – And for those that accuse uh, punditocracy of being way too leftist or way mm-hmm. too liberal, we're just trying to throw a little bit of right-wing – commentary in there for you <laughs> we are trying to broaden your horizons the same way that larry craig has been broadening his stance right. in the men's room uh ooh, larry craig <sighs> and actually i do believe richard coulter was um in iraq working for blackwater for a while yes uh he, he, was, he was involved in some sort of scandal which when i spoke with him he wasn't really willing to divulge exactly what happened in Iraq with Blackwater concerning him. But uh, apparently he's now out of Blackwater and he's back in Lawrence. So. Yes, he is a soldier of fortune. He is a mercenary. Uh, however, he's also a man of letters. And if you'd like to see those letters, please visit lawrence.com or our MySpace page, and you'll be able to, again, see a broader political spectrum that you might be hearing on the podcast. But, uh, again, I'd like to get back to our, our lengthy absence and apologize to everyone who's been waiting feverishly with bated breath all, for us to return all 10 of them all 10 of them <laughs> <laughs> it's a very vocal minority however that's right, that's right. uh but uh, again just to explain our abs not to excuse it but to explain our absence 
There was unfortunately, and I, I did go on to this uh, on our MySpace page a while back, but there was an outbreak of cholera among the impoverished children who smelt our podcasts in the iFactory, uh, the deplorable subhuman conditions of our iFactory. And uh, unfortunately, since President Bush has vetoed the state children's health insurance program, a.k.a. S-CHIP, which might have treated them, um, they all died slow, painful yet adorably Dickensian deaths. It was, uh, it was really cute uh, watching their death rattles. Uh, and more importantly, uh, podcast production ground to a halt. So um, we've got some scab workers from Mexico to come in and make the podcast now, and uh, we're back online. Yeah, we are. And I'm, I'm out of prison. Yeah. Um, I unfortunately got really drunk and was driving home, and I ran over a judge's son. <laughs> so I had, I had to go away for a little while. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, going back to the S-chip veto, uh, made the news today because Congress could not muster enough votes to override Bush's veto of which, health insurance for poor kids. Right, which really came as no surprise. Nobody was expecting the veto to be overridden. Mm -hmm. Although there, there are a lot of Republican defections because there are some sane Republicans out there who <laughs> do not want to be associated with kicking poor kids while they're sick. There are enough. There are a handful of Republicans, not many, but there are enough that, that switch sides. Although, Well, there was, there was 45 in the House. That's um, a pretty big defection that, that for Republicans. Is, that is a pretty big defection for Republicans. And I think that clearly Bush is going – well, first he's going against the uh, sort of the majority nationally. I mean most of the population is for this bill. Mm. Um, so not only is he going against the majority of the American people, he's also going against a fairly decent majority of his Or at least a, a big base. chunk of it, yeah. Um, although, can you really blame those those hardened partisan Republicans who voted against health care for poor children? I mean, poor kids poor kids make me sick, really, especially when they get sick. Like, I get nauseous looking at them. I hate looking at poor sick kids. It's it's terrible. Like, I get I get uh, chills. I get kind of nauseous. I mean, thank God I have health insurance. Unlike these poor kids, when I do get sick, watching them get sick. That's right. Uh, although that's a lie. I don't have health insurance. Uh, maybe I could qualify for S chip. Oh wait, Bush vetoed it. That's right. Uh, but <laughs> I mean, get, the ins okay. Bush's rationale. Let's let's get to Bush's rationale for vetoing health insurance for sick children. Well, and the well, go ahead. Yeah. Okay. There, there are actually some legitimate points against this bill. Uh, maybe we'll get, maybe we'll the specifics of paying we'll get, for it. But we'll get into that. Mm. But the at least. In my opinion, the reasons why this bill might not necessarily be feasible has nothing to do with why George Bush vetoed it. All right. Well, okay. Let's uh, get into why George Bush vetoed it. Uh, he vetoed it, and I will give him credit for being honest for once, at least in one of the reasons that he gave for vetoing this bill, in that he fears that it is a slippery slope towards socialized government-run health care, which, you know what? Uh, he's being honest about his reasons for vetoing, and he's actually right because this is a Trojan horse for bringing health care to uh, socialized government-run health care to the United States, which I endorse and I think is a great plan. Uh, he is diametrically opposed to it because he receives a lot of money from the health insurance industry. However, even the health insurance industry was backing this particular expansion of children's health care. So – Again, it's kind of befuddling why Bush does anything, but on this one in particular, it's like 
totally flabbergasting. And the other reason, aside from what he said was, you know, this being a baby step towards universal health care, God forbid, was that it would be too expensive. Well, and that's that's the most ridiculous part of this this whole veto and this whole argument. I mean, he's saying that twenty five billion dollars to spend on this bill is um, too much government spending. That we need to lower government spending. That we need to go back to sort of this conservative, I don't Reagan esque style. Yeah. Of, well, I don't think Reagan's probably not even the best example <laughs> yeah. on this. One. Reagan is, wasn't even that heartless. Uh, but at the same time, he has spent like a drunken sailor over the last seven years. Everything from Iraq to mm-hmm. national security to everything. Now, some of this spending had to be done, obviously, um, but. It's very strange for him to sit up here and try to justify this veto, saying that it's too expensive when he has had absolutely no control over spending whatsoever in government during his administration. And you could conceivably – I don't agree with this, but if you are uh, a movement conservative or an ideologue, you could say, well, these are national security expenditures, Iraq and Afghanistan and the wars that we're fighting in the Middle East. And you know what? Uh, I disagree with those arguments, but at least – you might believe that. However, if you're arguing that uh, spending too much on health care is against conservative principles, just look at the expansion of the Medicare drug program that Bush rammed through Congress uh, under Tom DeLay. That was one of the largest corporate boondoggles in history. It was basically a total handout of government coffers to the pharmaceutical and insurance industries. It exploded. It's going to cost trillions of dollars. Trillions of dollars if this thing's fully in- implemented over the series of uh, next few years. And now all of a sudden he's getting tight with the purse on healthcare when it comes to helping poor kids. When it comes to helping the pharmaceutical industry, well, they need it. That's, that's welfare that he can get behind, that every you know, George Bush Republican can get behind. They love corporate welfare, but if it's welfare for needy people, fuck those guys. That's right. They're poor because they're dumb and they're lazy. Well, I don't think really cost has anything to do with this. Uh, Well, I think you were right on in the very beginning of your opening statements. I mean, what Bush's major objection to this is, is this going to lead to the federalization of healthcare? And he fundamentally stands against government to to a socialized government program. Mm -hmm. And he will do anything that he can to fight against it, even if it means vetoing bills such as this. And, Uh, but I, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, it just seems like. If you layer – this is the last thing that the Republican Party needed right now. Uh, They've already got Iraq around their neck. They've already got Larry Craig around their neck. They've got scandal after scandal after failed policy after failed policy. And then here comes Bush again kicking poor sick kids while they're dying (laughs) on gurneys in hospitals. That's the last thing that – if you're a Republican running for re-election last – uh, next year, if you're uh, an incumbent and you're already endangered because of the Iraq war and every other failed Bush administration policy, you have this other weight around your neck just dragging you down. Um, it's just insanity. And if I were a Republican, I would be super fucking pissed at Bush right now. Well, and that's what doesn't make sense about this whole thing. Now, I, you know, maybe on this, I've I've always wondered what the political ramifications of this are. And it seems almost as if maybe he's trying to appeal to sort of this anti-government fiscal conservative, fiscal conservatives gearing for the 2008 election. I mean, it seems there has been in the Republican Party sort of this um, go back to old school conservative principles, which is lower spending, less government, 
this seems to be what a lot of conservatives are rallying around, especially for 2008. And I'm almost wondering if maybe this isn't George Bush just simply trying to play politics, actually trying to help Republican candidates in 2008. Now, if this is the case, I think it's going to backfire on the Republicans. But is there there may be some truth into that? Is that maybe what he's trying to do here? There, uh, you, there could be some really backwards-ass political maneuvering going on in that this is an opening lobby against Hillary Care Part 2. Like, this is laying, you know, drawing the line in the sand because all of the Democratic presidential frontrunners uh, in the primary have a health care system that gets pretty damn close to universal health care. Like, um, John, Edward, John Edwards is, comes the closest to, like, full-on universal health care. Obama's and Clinton's are virtually the same in that they will basically mandate health insurance for every man, woman, and child well, in and the country. Of, but a lot of conservatives who are very much on the anti-government platform or feel very threatened by this. So it's almost as if, if the Republican Party can paint themselves as being the economic hawks, the anti-socialism, anti-government, states' rights type it of might, conservatives. It, it might work could with the – Could that not, it could might that work, not, could that not appeal to a It might enough? work with the base – and it, well, it will work with the base. Well, the base is what they're going to need to this win. Is, in this is this is murder uh, for the Republican Party in the general because a majority of Americans want universal health care. Well, if I'm you don't not... call it socialized medicine and you say it's mandated insurance for every man, woman, and child, everyone supports this. Everyone agrees oh, that our I'm health not... system is broken. Hey, listen, I am. I'm not, not arguing with you. I'm not disagreeing. I'm not with arguing you. with you. I am just merely trying to maybe give some rationale as to why President Bush would be doing this at this point. Yeah. Because it doesn't make any sense on any other level. I mean, if you want – again, we've talked about cost. He wants to say that $25 billion is too much. Well, again, why all the corporate handouts? Why all the spending on Iraq? Sure, some of the national security issues we had to spend more money on than we would have prior to September 11th. But at the same time, we have seen government spending increase tenfold under the Bush administration. So yeah. what's $25 billion more? Yeah. And again, I go back to the Medicare Part D boondoggle, which is – this is like the most blatant of the hypocrisies in this, right. in that this was a healthcare handout. This is like money that they're throwing down the toilet, if I can make another Larry Craig illusion, oh, uh, in regards to healthcare, but only to help the pharmaceutical and insurance companies. Right. When it's healthcare money for poor kids – again, I can't drive this home enough – they're picking on poor kids who get sick. So, <laughs> so that okay, that's one well, again. The- that's that's why this doesn't make any sense. So, okay, we've we've eliminated cost. I mean, we figured out that this really cannot be the the main rationale behind Bush vetoing this. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right? And okay. Okay. okay you're so then to- we go. So then we go into the demon of socialism. We go into <laughs> well, no, seriously. I mean, this is what the Republicans seem to be to borrow a ad- page from Mr. Richard Coulter, adamantly right. against right now, is they do not want the federalization of healthcare. And I think that when it comes down to the very core basics of this, they're going to fight against that, regardless of who gets screwed over in the process, because they do not want the federal government regulating healthcare. Yeah, that's what it comes down to. Yeah. Now. The political spin on it, I don't know. That's just my theory. I mean, I have maybe this idea that I'm not even sure if the Bush administration cares enough about the rest of Republicans or even smart enough at this point to try to help Republicans win in 2008. But 
again, it could be they are trying to appeal to the base, thinking that that's going to help them, if maybe not in the national polls, at least in some of the local elections. But in, in, here's the other thing that is going to backfire on them, if this is a political calculation and trying to stoke up the base, is that there are a lot of conservative, fundamentalist, evangelical Christians out there who want this bill passed. Because it's keeping in line with oh, them being values voters. The, and that the compassionate conservatives? The, yes, Is that the, what you're talking yes, about? Yes, the values voters, the compassionate conservatives, and the um, pro-life movement. And you know what? I actually kind of admire the pro-lifers who care about children outside of when they're just a glob of cells in the uterus and actually care about the children's lives when they're growing up. This uh, Vetoing this bill is the slap in the face of the pro-life movement because you're, again— you're killing children. Yes. <laughs> like these kids are getting sick and dying, and you're denying them health coverage. And I don't see how that can comport and fit in with the worldview of uh, a truly spiritual religious person who cares about living things. Why would you want to? And again, this is this is just another example of how politically ham-handed and tone-deaf this is. Is that he's risking alienating the very base that he may think he's courting right now, but I think nobody supports him on this move. Nobody. I don't think... Well, I, I think it's pretty clear that there's a, you know, a good chunk of the... As we've already discussed, there's a good chunk of the Republican Party that is for this bill. It is against Bush vetoing it. So, I, you know, it, again, it, goes, it, it, goes back, it goes back to his cultural life. He supports the cultural life. In case, well, he supports the cultural life unless they're poor, in which case, fuck them. Is what this is boiling down to, in, I think in my just, mind. I think it simply just boils down that he does. He is adamantly opposed to the federalization of health care. He doesn't want to see it, and again, he will fight against it. And Do you think this is on principle, though? Do you think this is on principle, or is this because he's only, just getting paid off by the, the health insurance industry and the pharmaceutical industry? It's either on – it's probably a little bit of principle and a, probably a little bit of that. Yeah. Uh, and Okay, and here's another sort of misstep in this whole debacle for Republicans – If you want to argue against this, do it on the merits of the legislation. Well, and well, let's let's talk about this because there are some things. Well, go ahead. Okay, okay. Well, I just wanted to add real quick that the Democrats uh, during one of their weekly radio addresses, I think it was two weeks ago now, uh, right after Bush vetoed the initial S chip expansion, they gave their radio address to a twelve-year-old kid who was a recipient of S chip. Uh, he and his sister got into a terrible car accident and they're from a lower middle class family. And they were actually, you know, kind of indicative of everything that Republicans supposedly endorse. They're, um, they're middle class. They're trying to send their kids to private schools. Um, you know, they're making their way on their own. Uh, however, they had this one calamitous event, this car accident that, you know, um, their health coverage could not take care of. So fortunately, this S chip was there to treat both this 12-year-old boy and his sister who's now actually permanently handicapped and and she's still receiving care. And so they brought out this 12-year-old kid. You, you might argue that okay, that's uh, tugging out your heartstrings and it's kind of cheesy and you're hiding behind children. Fine. But the Republican noise machine went ape shit and they went after this 12-year-old boy personally. They started attacking this kid and his family, Michelle Malkin. And for those who aren't familiar with Michelle Malkin, she's like Ann Coulter, but without the sort of uh, comedian aspect. 
You know, Ann Coulter tries to pass herself off as an entertainer, first and foremost. At least, I, I'm of the opinion well, she's, that. she's entertaining. She's right? a provocateur. She thinks she's a comedian with Sorry. a political bent. Michelle Malkin's kind of like Ann Coulter without the so-called sense of humor. Michelle Malkin is a self-loathing, xenophobic, movement conservative ideologue who just froths at the mouth at brown people and now apparently sick children. So she actually posted this kid's home address on her uh, website. and uh, all, all because he received, or his family yes. received, uh, federal, federal money to treat them when they were ill. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, that makes sense. Well, you know what? Hey, fair game. You know what? <laughs> if you're a 12-year-old kid and you're sick and you support receiving health care... Oh, sorry, buddy. You're fair game. It's open season. Well, it's, it's war. So you had Malkin, Limbaugh, and the entire right-wing blogosphere going after this family, uh, who, again, were the model of the Republican ownership society, and that the, they were small business owners. They were, again, trying to get their kids out of public school and relying on grants to send them to private schools. Again, what happened to like supporting the vouchers that uh, Republicans are so into? Um, no, no. If you disagree with President Bush on anything, anything, you are mincemeat, even if you're a 12-year-old sick kid. Yeah, it's pretty despicable. So, you know, again, it's, again. One thing, it's one thing to personally attack politicians or personally attack members of the media who go against particular issues that you are against, um, but to attack a 12-year-old kid is a new low. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's almost as if they're trying to distract the American public away from the real issues that are plaguing America. Yeah. And the failures of the Republican Party and the failures of the Bush administration. But all this but that's is, just, you know, I don't know. All this is doing is that it's, it's becoming another sort of Shiavo moment for the Republican Party. And that this is just a gross example of overreach. Yeah. And just uh, playing dirty, dirty politics and really – it is another example of how Republicans have totally botched this entire story. Uh, they've lost the narrative on this in the media. They are the losers, no matter how you look at it, uh, on the S-chip veto story. So, um, you know, God bless them if they want to keep going down this path. But uh, I, you know what it is? I think, you know, I think they've just gotten to the point now where they know it's got to be a bloodbath in 2008 for them, like even worse than 2006 was. They know that because you see it in the droves of retirements in the Republican Party. I think it's up to like uh, 12 House members are retiring rather than face this political climate next year. They would just say, you know what, screw it. I give up. You guys can run off the cliff. And I think it's, they've, they've, uh, it's kind of like if you're on a plane that's crashing and you decide in those last few minutes, I'm just going to jerk off. Which is probably what I would do. Yeah, and it was what a lot of people and, would do. I mean, who cares? Yeah. So yeah. people see. You know, your, your last few moments, yeah. you just want to pleasure yourself. So that's what the Republicans are doing right yeah. now before they crash land. They're jerking themselves off. They're they're stroking off to these really cruel instincts that they have because that's all they know. All they know is dirty political campaigning and trying to retain power. They don't really care about governing at all. So they're just going whole hog in the attack politics and smear campaigns that they know and love. And it's kind of like a dog licking its own balls right now. Yeah, well, let's... A dog right before it gets euthanized. Yeah.
Let's talk about another issue yes. that um, I just find absolutely amazing that this is even being discussed is Iran at this point. Ah, yes. and, and George Bush is just talking about just continually going off a cliff or continually to stand by your principles regardless of how unpopular they are. In or the wrong States they America, are. Yes. Or wrong they are. George Bush, President Bush, <laughs> in his press conference was asked a question about Iran, and he more or less, to sum it up, said that uh, if Iran goes nuclear, the they will be inviting World War III. So this sort of doomsday-type warning from President Bush, possibly indicating to a coming attack against Iran should they feel Iran is close to developing a nuclear weapon. And as unpopular as the Iraq war is right now, as skeptical as the American people are about our intelligence in Iran, what Iran might actually have, how close they may actually be to developing a nuclear weapon, despite the fact that our military is broken, that there's no real money, that they're not filling their quotas on all ends of the armed forces, he's still spouting out this rhetoric against Iran, which would be a much tougher fight than Iraq ever was. And look how far we got into Iraq. I find it... Very odd. Yeah, and this is being discussed right now. And don't get me wrong, Iran does pose a legitimate threat to national security of the United States. I disagree with you on that. I disagree with you on that. Well, they are. We do know that there is programs within Iran to to develop nuclear weapons. I don't believe that destruction. I do not believe that. Just hear me out. And we do know. I don't trust anything that comes out of this administration when it comes to intelligence about weapons of mass destruction. And we do know that. Iran is a state sponsor of terrorism, yet at the same time, at the same time, to suggest that we need to take imminent military action against Iran is absolutely at this point ludicrous. We don't have the resources. We don't have the ability to go after Iran at this point. George W. Bush putting his W back into WW3. Well, again, again, as we discussed with the health care issue, is this, again, a political spin on the Republican standpoint? Are they merely saber-rattling at this point, thinking that Republicans in 2008 will be able to run off national security issues? And Giuliani, here's his quote about Iran, which came out the other day. He said, <laughs> we will never find out if Iran has nuclear weapons because I will never let them have nuclear weapons. <sighs> So again, I mean, it seems like these Republican candidates are sort of jumping on this saber-rattling that they're going to use this in 2008 as a fear tactic to get people to re- vote for the Republican Party. Mm-hmm. Could that not be what Iran is as well? It could be, but again, since we're still trying to do a post-mortem on why exactly we invaded Iraq I don't think we'll have any freaking clue as to what they're thinking right now in regards to Iran. Well, I don't think we're going to invade Iran. There may be a military strike against Iran. I think it's probably more realistic that the Israelis are going to attack Iran. This most recent um, Israeli bombing of sites in Syria could be a precursor to what we're going to see in Iran. If the Israelis feel that they need to launch military strikes against Iran, then that's Israel's problem. (laughs) They can deal with the consequences of that. But the United States at this point, other than an air raid – has no real ability to launch a ground assault on Iran. Well, it would be a disaster. Here's, here's, the, here's the little conspiracy theory. Um, did you remember that story from a few weeks back about an uh, Air Force plane that was 
illegally transporting nuclear, nuclear warheads. And you know they flew right over us. Yes, yes. And so they flew it across the nation, planet, and they flew it down to an Air Force base, which would be the primary launching grounds if we were indeed to engage Iran. So that's just kind of the conspiracy theory. They're, oh, try, wow. they're trying to pass it off as, oop, just a little fuck up. We're, we'll reprimand the pilot. Just a mistake. But, uh, you know, again, going with back. B, with a B-52 with nuclear yeah. arms going over to Iran. Yeah. Well, maybe Bush isn't lying. Maybe he really is going to try to start yeah, no. World War III. And again, who, who knows? Like, I have no idea what's going through this administration's mind. Um, is it a political ploy, as you suggested? I don't think it's going to be a very popular one. Uh, Iraq has soured this country's bloodlust for the Arabs. Try, try to tell that to some of these Republicans. I mean, they still think. I mean, especially hearing – I can only conclude this by hearing what Giuliani is saying, some of the things that McCain are saying. It still seems like they're going to try to run in 2008 – Still under the banner of September 11th, still trying to say that the Democrats are going to keep you safe. Yeah. Although, I, you know, I mean, they think that they're, that is going to give them you can be an right. avenue to win. You could be right because that is the only card they have left to play. Although, if you look at recent polling, they're losing on that too. Democrats are pulling ahead of Demo- uh, Republicans in generic wow. ballots about uh, who will keep you safer from terrorists. Because, again, back to Iraq, so bungled, so botched, such a bad idea to begin with, and uh, borderline two-thirds of America now realizes that, if not more. Um, Again, this could be an effort to gin up uh, sort of anti-Islamic foam in the Republican primaries, but... These guys at some point are going to have to run a general election campaign with the rest of America. I don't see how they're – like Giuliani's statement there, I don't see how that's going to play in a general election. He'll get torn a new one by whoever he faces. Well, again, or he's just using that to try to get the Republican nomination, thinking that he'll rally up the base enough or the security moms enough in the Republican Party that he will be – he will get – the nomination and then once the general election starts he'll sort of back off that maybe mm. i don't know that that could be one way they're spinning this i mean it's very hard to tell at this point and we'll go into sort of the, the specifics about iran being a, a threat and supporting uh well, terrorist is, activities in well, iraq well there is evidence that that is happening now is it is it an imminent threat to the united states Fuck Pro- no. probably not <laughs> no no like every expert agrees that if iran was but, actively pursuing a nuclear weapon the iaea at the un says they're at least a decade away from getting anywhere close to that and they have said that they're not pursuing it and well I, I know, take, we can't really well, believe let's them let's not that, take but, iran's word at this but they're not stupid Ahmadinejad might be crazy, but the rest of the country is not stupid. This is not Afghanistan under the Taliban. Iran is actually a fairly moderate Muslim regime. Okay. Uh, but okay. But let's go back to this argument that they're uh, funneling weapons to the terrorists, the terrorists in Iraq, and they're killing American well, they soldiers. Are. But the That's thing fine. is, but the thing is, and they, yeah, yeah. is that they're not the only ones. No, doing Saudi Arabia it. is, is funneling many more times the weapons the Syrians, and arms. The Syrians are doing it, so it's not necessarily just an Iranian problem. Yeah, because okay, uh, Iran. But they are still part of the problem. Iran, Iran being a, a Shia Muslim nation, is probably supporting the Shia uh, militias in uh, Iraq. Yes. And to counter that, Saudi Arabia is 
funneling boatloads of money and munitions to support the Sunni militias. And so you have this proxy war going on in Iraq right now. And by the way, let's talk about how uh, Iraq and al-Qaeda was declared dead. Oh, yeah, let's discuss that because that's – very interesting. If it's true, yeah, we don't really know. Yeah, how do you verify that? You can't. <laughs> but it, but it seems like that would be a stupid political move because it's a, oh Iraq and Al Qaeda is done, terrorists are dead. Then why are we still there using their own logic? Very good question. <laughs> One, it is a very good question. And the the point, the, was it the, the, Pentagon, point, the Pentagon who released this report, or was it the, the Bush Pentagon who released this okay. report? Okay. Right. So yeah, we went and I mean the whole rationale for going to war. And Iraq was to eliminate their weapons of mass destruction, which there was none, yeah. and to destroy Al Qaeda. Yeah. Now, which was never we, there before we no, invaded. It wasn't there before, yeah. but it is there now. But if it's destroyed now, then have we not accomplished the yeah. mission? <laughs> have we? Have we? Can we hang another mission accomplished banner? Well, can you? Yes, you can. I mean, if if. Your goal was, which has been outlined by this administration. Yes, the shifting rationale. To eliminate weapons of mass destruction. We didn't find any, so. Remove a brutal tyrant from power. Did that. Check that off. Defeat al-Qaeda. Check it off. We're done. Well, well, but we're not done. Well, you know what? We set up up democratic elections. Flowering democracy, Jeffersonian. We can leave now. (laughs) But now it's all about building a stable state, blah, 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 blah. But has al-Qaeda really been eliminated? Was al-Qaeda ever we, really there? That's another question. I doubt – al-Qaeda as we think of it, although as we think of it, al-Qaeda is not like Cobra Command in the G.I. Joe commercials, uh, the G.I. Joe cartoons. Well, and I think that there's a lot of evidence to say too that the supposed al-Qaeda that was in Iraq, while they might have called themselves al-Qaeda, yeah, really, had, really had no connection to Osama bin Laden. They were essentially yeah. a group of terrorists that got together who decided to call themselves al-Qaeda just for what, shits and giggles, just to get the attention of the American public. Yeah, in fact, there's a lot of evidence that Osama bin Laden and Ayman al-Zawahiri, the one and two guys, and the al-Qaeda proper really hated uh, al-Qaeda in Iraq. And oh, what was the name of the, the, the one uh, putative head uh, of al-Qaeda in Iraq, the dude that we... Uh, oh, we, I forget his name, but we waxed him. About oh, yeah. Him. Oh, yeah. Oh we, oh, we took his ass down. Which was supposed to be another uh, turning point in right. Iraq. Of course it wasn't. Um, but anyway, uh, Iran, World War III. Let's just all agree that's a bad idea. Well, there is, <laughs> there is a realistic chance, I do believe, that Israel could be prepared to strike Iran. I don't now, think Israel wants a wider conflict in the Middle East. I think they're pissed at how we mismanaged do not, Iraq. Do you not see the strike in Syria as a precursor to this? Because I do. I mean, I almost no, no, no. I see. I see. I almost see this as a test run for. No, Israel. no, no. I see this. Their, their strike in Syria is trying to save face from that earlier standoff they had with Syria last summer. I think it was, well, we'll see. and they had a lot of the egg question. on their face. And Olmert, the prime minister, is in some political hot water right now. So, as many politicians do, you launch a little. Uh, Preemptive strike to get the heat right. off of you. We'll and I don't think Israel wants a wider conflict yeah, with we'll Iran. We'll see. I mean, I think that Israel, if they feel that their national security is threatened by Iran, they will be prepared to strike. I'm not saying they're going to, but if they do, that will seriously change the geographics, the political geographics over there. Yeah, very much. So I, we'll see. And 
maybe Bush, maybe he really is the nuclear cowboy. Maybe he's going to send some nukes over there and bomb Iran. I don't know. <laughs> but can we agree that Iran is now the new Iraq? Uh, yeah, it's actually it's this it's Iraq two, you know, um, and I, Iraq harder. And I almost maybe think that Iran is that maybe not the exit strategy for Iraq. Oh, oh, that's a brilliant idea. I know it's not your idea, but that's a brilliant idea. Yeah, let's get out of Iraq by starting another war that, with their neighbor. Is that well? But is that maybe not what these guys are thinking? I don't see how that would. I mean, I just. <laughs> Like, oh, I'm not okay, saying we're going to bomb a few sites in Iran, and while the American public's looking over there, we'll quietly pull troops out of Iraq and let that go to hell, and then everything will just be one giant fiery Armageddon. And by the way, speaking of Armageddon, this could just again be Bush's uh, Messiah complex and wanting to trigger the second coming of Jesus. And I think actually uh, starting World War III in the Middle East would be a pretty good. Uh, what do you call it, the tribulation uh, in uh, the book of Revelations? Well, he has given his doomsday warning, and it's World War III. Now, why would he say that? I mean, that's, you know, it's one thing to say if I ran— I think he's off his meds. <laughs> well, no, seriously, I mean, it's one thing to say in a press conference. You, you sum it up, basically, if we feel Iran is close to developing a nuclear weapon, then all options are on the table, or, or military action may be— in the works. You don't have to sit in a national press conference that people are watching worldwide saying that you want to start World War III with Iran or that World War III will start with Iran if they go nuclear. Yeah. Why, why would you say that kind of rhetoric? It is just, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and also while he's talking tough about Iran, he's simultaneously kissing Turkey's ass. Uh, no, well, Turkey's a whole other yeah. issue. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, we, we will not allow this, this rogue Muslim regime to have nuclear weapons at the same time. Hey, Turkey, you know what? Uh, sure, you killed about 1.5 million Armenians in World War I. We're not going to call that genocide. We'll just call that a little uh, mulligan. That's a, that's a little whoopsie-daisy on your part. Well, uh, and and uh, please don't send troops into Iraq. <laughs> Because that's what Turkey's gearing up to do. Oh no! I think speaking of speaking up. of widening the conflict, yeah, well, Turkey's about to jump. Yeah, you know, they're gearing up feet and it, first. It more than likely will happen pretty soon here. It uh, may not be a full blown invasion, but they're certainly going to send some troops in. Uh, although one thing's for sure, Rudy Giuliani wants to nuke the shit out of the Middle East. We will never find out if they have nuclear weapons because I will never let them have nuclear weapons. Rudy Giuliani loves wars with Muslims as much as he loves getting divorced. You want to something up, you got to pin it down. You want to pull something in, you got to let it out. You want to light something up, you got to burn it down. I want to feel the sun. But hey, that's a good segue uh, into the 2008 presidential race. And the breaking news of breaking the Breaking news. Our, our very own Senator Brownback is withdrawing. <laughs> and you know what's kind of ironic about Sam Brownback's campaign calling it quits is that embryonic stem cells, I think, could have saved his dying campaign. Well, and there were such high hopes for his campaign. Oh, yeah. A couple years ago. Brownback. I thought that he was going to be the answer to all the conservative woes. Yeah, Brownback. Brownback is on the lips of um, mm, Dobson, uh, maybe. 
Yeah. They, yes. Brownback just set him on fire in the uh, 2008 presidential Republican primary. And so God bless Sam. Uh, hopefully he retires now and we can get somebody else into one of Kansas's Senate seats. Somebody, he, he- somebody who's not like just a hair's breadth away from that creepy albino monk in the Da Vinci Code. Is he up for re-election in a way? Uh, no, no, in 10, ten. 2010. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And uh, there is rumored that Sibelius may be running for that uh, because she'll be term limited. And I've heard Sibelius, Dennis Moore mm-hmm. is another one. Um, uh, both might have better really, than average Really? Oh, well, Sibelius would win. Sibelius is still insanely popular. Uh, and she'd be able to sweep it. A but, lot of a lot of it depends on, of course, a political climate. But anyway, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, back to the presidential horse jockeying uh, on the Republican side. Yeah, they're one minus with brown back drop. And however, they added Alan Keyes. Yeah, they Alan added Keyes. Alan Keyes. Alan Keyes is officially running now. Oh, yeah. I have not heard this. Oh yeah. We lost Tommy Thompson. We lost Sam Brownback. We lost that. One guy from Virginia, uh, Gilmore was his name, if you're curious, and you weren't. Um, so to balance all of that, you've got Alan Keyes taking up the really crazy rear of the Republican Party. Now what is his motivation in getting into it at this point? Gay bashing. <laughs> he thinks Mike Huckabee is queer. <laughs> but speaking of Huckabee, now that Brownback is out, Huckabee is kind of the last evangelical standing and, and he, is, he is surging, so to speak. And I as much as he point. can. He, he's he, in third place. He's not doing too bad. No, he's, no. Only, he's only 10 points behind. Um, what? Well, Romney's number one. Point. Well, Romney would be number one. Number Fred two. Thompson, Huckabee. Yeah, okay. right here in front of me. So, yeah, oh, yeah, and by the way, Fred Thompson, what a splash he made when he. Because, <sighs> yeah, it would, since well, we last recorded, know, Fred Thompson, Mr. Law and Order, has entered the race. You know, and the funny thing is, too, is that conservatives were so willing to rally around him. They thought that they had finally found their answer for 08. And then this mummy basically does nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. <laughs> he, he seriously looks like a reanimated corpse. And he behaves like one, too. He puts audiences to sleep. He has to beg for applause at his own campaign rallies. The people who volunteered to go see well, him he's speak, not, well, he has to beg them for applause. Well, and, he's not even holding campaign rallies, from what I understand. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's not even in Iowa right now. No, no, he's not competing in Iowa. Um, and he's not competing in New Hampshire. Yeah, he's just waiting, I think, for Super Tuesday. To, like, I guess he's hoping California. I don't know. Well, and then he disappeared for like three days. Like nobody, <laughs> well, No, no, seriously. And, uh, no reporters or anybody got a hold of him for like three days. He was getting re-embalmed. He was getting <laughs> shellacked. So he doesn't like decompose try- on the stump. If you're trying to so run, he, so he doesn't, so he doesn't lose his stump on the stump. If you're trying to run for president, you're trying to snag the Republican nomination. You don't disappear for three days. You actively campaign in Iowa. You go to Iowa and you tell conservatives in Iowa that I'm your guy, and you argue why you're your guy. Screw that. He's just ordering everybody on Netflix a copy of oh. Die Hard Two and The Hunt for Red October with a little note saying, "Please vote for me." I think that's his campaign strategy. I loved him in Die Hard too, <laughs> as as the gruff yet lovable air traffic controller. Oh, he was a decision maker in that. That's right, and that's the rationale for his entire campaign. Basically, I was an actor who occasionally looked presidential, and that's why all of the Ronald Reagan, you know, um, 
man lust that the Republican Party has with them, this weird latent homoeroticism that they have for this dead actor. They they just decided to fill it into Fred Thompson's chinos, and it doesn't quite fit. If it's possible that there is somebody less charismatic and uh, a worse actor than Ronald Reagan, Fred Thompson fills that bill. He is your man, and he's not picking up any support. Huckabee is... Uh, picking up some grassroots support, like he's he apparently he, he's uh, like on the ground in Iowa, like he's hedging everything on Iowa. So he's trying to get like a strong third, or if he gets a second place showing right. in Iowa, that could give him a lot of momentum. Well, I think that a lot of um, well, certainly evangelical conservatives, but you know, even more traditional conservatives, really don't feel comfortable with a Giuliani, a McCain, or even a Romney. Yeah. And so they're really, they've really been trying to find the candidate that suits them and that really addresses their issues. I think they thought that Fred Thompson was going to be that guy. I really do. I mean, they had, talked, they had talked about it for a long time. Thompson, as of this point, hasn't delivered. There's no reason to believe that he is going to deliver. So I think that a lot of these traditional conservatives and evangelicals are now looking at Huckabee thinking that this is a guy that's actually going to stand up for our principles if he is elected president of the United States. Yeah. Um, and I think that's why you're seeing sort of this this push. And, you know, I agree if Huckabee can finish second. And, I mean, right the poll right now has Romney, which is very odd that Romney is leading by this large of a margin. Well, he Iowa. bought it. He bought it. At 29%, you got Fred Thompson at 18%, you got Huckabee at 12 Yeah. I would not be surprised at all if Huckabee takes at least, oh, I don't know, David five is, or six points away from Fred Thompson. David, at this is, point. It's, it's nearly so. A, if he can, if he can finish say at twenty percent and Romney finish at twenty eight or twenty nine, that's going to be very significant going into other primaries. Here's a few caveats about polls from Iowa. One, we still don't know when the caucus is going to be held. They're still doing musical chairs about when the schedule is going to be set for actual primary caucus going and <laughs> – I said caucus – and primary elections. The other thing, it is notoriously difficult to try to pull a caucus – because a caucus, if for those aren't, who aren't familiar, is much different than a primary election, where where it's very similar to a regular uh, general election, where you just go to a poll and you you know poll a lever or you fill in a circle. A caucus is when you're locked into a room for two hours with a bunch of people from your precinct, and you actually argue about who you're going to support. And then when you reach consensus, kind of like a jury, kind of like 12 angry men, but it's a bunch of guys in overalls in the middle of a cornfield in Iowa who are you know, deciding the fate of our nation. So it, and it's impossible to pull these sorts of things. So for all we know, Huckabee could be much further ahead in at genuine support, or he could be a lot further behind, which is just hard to say. Same with any of the candidates, Republican I, or Democrat. I would suspect that he's probably much further ahead. I think you're right on that. The unfortunate thing for Huckabee— Because, you know, McCain, and again, we're just we're going to go with polling at this point. Yeah. This is the only information we have to base anything <laughs> Cause, off Because of. we're pundits, but, and what we do is we speculate, and we conjecture, and we make groundless statements based on shoddy facts. That's our job. Giuliani is at 11% and McCain at 7 So, I mean, I really do think that this suggests that a majority of conservatives do not feel comfortable with these two. No, and I think a lot, of it, a lot of it has to come down with, well, mostly social issues. There's other issues as well. But if you look at polling in New Hampshire, you get kind of the same 
result. Mm. I mean, even though that Rudy and McCain are nationally ahead, yeah. they're not ahead no. in any of these primaries. So, I mean, that's why I really almost think that if there's going to be an upset, if there's going to be an unknown... Uh, the dark horse. This year's John Kerry or John the, Edwards. The pale rider. It's going to come from a Mike Huckabee. It's going to come from a Mitt Romney. <laughs> it's going to come from horse. one of these guys. Here's what I think, and I've been saying this forever. I think, and I think it may shake out this way. I think McCain still has a shot at getting the nomination. Oh, absolutely. Because if you look at all of these candidates, he is the only one that is not batshit insane on most issues. He's the only one that doesn't have a massive glass jaw, like uh, some uh, like really vulnerable Achilles tendon that could be slashed like all of the other candidates. McCain is the only one who is the the if not most palatable than the least offensive of the Republican candidates in a general election. I mean, you, I, I, I don't want to waste the time going into everything, but McCain, like all of the other candidates, have a huge, huge weak blind spot on them. Uh, just for example, Giuliani's got his uh, got his like actually personal if, past. Yeah, his his personal saying. life, his uh, flip flopping on social issues, and also his. Um, if people start looking into his actual record as mayor of New York, especially regards to 9-11... Not good. That's not good. No. That's not good for him. Uh, but McCain... So he, he lowered some taxes. That's about all he did. Yeah. And, yeah. That's, Fought the mob. Seriously. You know, okay. That's uh, uh, whatever. Good yeah, cause, yeah, Good for him. Um, but I... If Giuliani gets it, he's got to get slaughtered, I think, in a general. Uh, McCain, well, we'll discuss this yeah, in a okay, second. But, okay, I, uh, okay, long and short of it, I think McCain will be the last man standing, as is my opinion. I think it could shake out that way. I think that— I, McCain is putting all of, his, all of his money and all of his time into New Hampshire, and if he wins that and blunts Mitt Romney's uh, momentum out of Iowa— McCain could use that, I think, and if he plays his cards right, he could boomerang, and he could actually come out ahead. And here's the other thing, is that both the Republicans and the Democrats could have a brokered convention where none of the candidates get enough delegates from the primaries or the caucuses, and so you'll have to actually use one of the party conventions, which have, for the last... Oh God! Forty, fifty years just been um, dog and pony shows and formalities to actually nominate a candidate. The conventions may be needed to actually, to actually nominate win. somebody and decide at the convention, which would be really exciting for political junkies. Well, I think I, it would be, ex- be awesome. <laughs> it would. Well, and I mean, the Republican Party. We, you're right. I mean, we have absolutely no idea who's going to come out of this. Mm-hmm. And there's such a, a tremendous difference between some of these Republican candidates on where they stand on issues. That at the end of the day, it's really going to come down to what the Republicans want. Do they want, say, a McCain or a Rudy who is more laxed on social issues but is seen as somebody that can defeat Hillary yeah. in a general election? Or do they want to go back more to their roots, which would be a Huckabee, like, you know, Thompson, I guess? <laughs> or do they just want to go with an obnoxious Mormon flip-flopper? Uh, I think the oh, you most know, like, he's the one that's you know leading in all of these. Oh yeah, well he looks sports. good on TV. He's got immaculate <laughs> hair, and he's protected by special underwear and God's own nipples. I think that if McCain isn't, I think it's either going to be McCain or Romney. It's going to be McCain or Romney, in my opinion. I don't think Giuliani's going to be able to make it through the primaries. I will. 
I guess I can agree. I'm putting with that. you on the spot. Who do you think is going to be? I mean, I guess I can agree with that. I, I still think at the end of the day, Rudy's going to get it. Uh, but I, I do, I, I honestly believe that if there is enough, Mike Huckabee gets enough momentum coming out of Iowa, yeah. and if enough traditional and evangelical conservatives jump on his bandwagon, I think you could be looking at a major upset. Because I really do think that the Republican Party wants to be represented by one of their own. They don't want to be represented by Rudy. They don't want to be represented by McCain. They don't want to be represented by people who look soft on social issues and who take more of a middle road on a lot of on a lot of political issues. And this goes they back to my theory. That. This goes back to my theory of they know they're about to die, so they're just going to jerk off. They're they're just going to they're just going to, you know, reach around and they're just going to, you know, piddle with themselves as the plane crashes and burns because they know that they can't win. Boston. So so they're going to they're going to make a, an Alamo style last stand. Uh, I'm throwing out way too many metaphors, <laughs> this, but I think you may be right. They may see, you know what? Screw it. We're going to lose anyway. We might as well just throw somebody out there who actually says what we think. Yeah. So who knows? Huckabee could be that guy. Huckabee can't win. Huckabee. Uh, no, no, I don't think Huckabee. No, can no, he'd be even close to winning yeah. a general election. Um, but McCain the, and Rudy can win a general election. Could, That's what it comes down to. Could they win against? Hillary Clinton. So let's switch over now to the Democratic side. Okay. Hillary Clinton right now, huge leads in the national polls. Yes. Uh, she's now edged out Obama in fundraising, although just barely. So Hillary Clinton right now has that patina of inevitability. On the Democratic side, I I, I, yeah, I have to agree with that. I don't think that it is necessarily a foregone conclusion. No, no, no. Okay, let's take a look at the most recent CNN USA Today Gallup poll. Hillary Clinton nationally is 51%, Barack Obama 21%, Edwards 15%. Yeah. She's got a commanding lead. But in Iowa, again, let's look at these numbers. She's at 29%, Edwards is at 23 and Obama's at 22 Which means it's, 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 it's a, a dead heat. It's, it's a, a decent heat. lead, but it's not an inevitable lead. No, going and back think, to the problems of polling in Iowa, caucus goer. And again, I think the general theory is here is that if Edwards or Obama can win Iowa, it might be enough to trigger the rest of the primaries in their favor. Yeah. Because I still think at the end of the day, Democrats are going to be very nervous as to – Hillary Clinton's electability in a general election. You know what? I used to be one of those Democrats. I'll say I'm a registered Democrat. Uh, I I don't like Hillary Clinton as a politician. I don't think she believes uh, a lot of what she says. She's a very calculating person. However, I have come around to the position that she, she will fight dirty. Like her and her campaign will go after hammer and tongs whoever the Republican nominee is. And I think that that will be a good thing for the Democratic Party to have somebody who knows how to push back. John Kerry was dead in the water because he looked like a a feet, ineffectual, spineless flip-flopper, which is what he was pretty much. War hero, but terrible campaigner because he didn't stand up for himself. Hillary Clinton would go – Hillary Clinton has taken – probably the best lessons from Karl Rove in that you go after your opponent's strengths and you never relent. 
And she would do that. Her campaign, she's got this guy named Howard Wolfsman, who's the communications director. This guy is a fucking vicious bulldog. At the the end of the day, that's not going to matter. Democrats are going to decide who they want to run against a Republican candidate. Yeah. And if they don't think that Hillary is electable, they're going to go with either Edwards or Obama. She's so I don't think over. that it's nec- – I think that it is a very good chance, a very good probability that she will represent yeah. the Democratic Party. I think there's a pretty good chance that she'll be the next president of the United States. Yes. But I don't think that it's inevitable at all. No, 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 no. Let's take a look at the CNN presidential head-to-head poll because I think this is this is very interesting, I think, because it really – whether Hillary wins or loses has a lot to do with who she runs against. Now, against Rudy Giuliani, she is up 49% to 47%. Yeah. That's a dead heat. Is that national or is that in That's the, national. Okay. Against McCain, 44-43. Mm-hmm. Against Romney, 47-41. You know, That's comfortable enough. Now, you start looking at some of these other candidates against... Thompson, she wins 50 to 38. Um, I think that was the only one that they showed. Yeah. Um, John Edwards, though, how he fares nationally. This I found very interesting. He beats Rudy Giuliani 50 to 41. Mm. He beats McCain 47 to 40. He beats Romney 52 to 35. That is a 17 point spread yeah. on that. That is much greater than the 6% spread that Hillary is getting yeah. on Romney. And against Fred Thompson, it was, what, 49 to 32. So John Edwards, obviously by these numbers, fares much better in a general election. And I think a lot of this has to go back to the perception of Hillary Clinton, not just within the Democratic Party, but nationally. I think they see her as extremely polarizing. I think they see her as the continuation of partisan politics. They may look at Edwards and see, well, here's a fresh face. Here's somebody that we can start a new political change. Mm -hmm. This is somebody that can work on both sides of the aisle. And, you know, so I'm wondering at the end of the day, if Democrats aren't going to wake up to this and, and see that Hillary is not by any means guaranteed a presidential election, well, now, again, it depends on who the Republicans put up. If they put up a Romney or a Huckabee, she's more or less a shoe-in. Yeah. But at the same time, she goes up against a Rudy, a McCain, maybe even a Romney. Yeah. Um, she's not guaranteed at all a victory. Whereas you put somebody like John Edwards up there, it's almost inevitable. I I would um, I'd agree that even though she has, at least in the – um, traditional media, the aura of inevitability, the, nothing's inevitable. Like Howard Dean had this large of a lead in the primaries at this point. <laughs> yeah, but Hillary, uh, it's hard to compare Hillary. To it's, Howard, it's different. It's different. It's not, Hillary is not going to subject herself to a Howard Dean moment. No. It ain't going to happen. She's too cautious. And, and again, that's why I think she's a far more formidable general election opponent. When I say opponent, somebody who will fight and we'll strike back, and and we'll do what John Kerry did not do in 2004. So I think that, uh, and again, and, yet, and polling this early is always very suspicious. And well, I, of I, I, and I will, and I will also agree with you that uh, she is far from a lock for the nomination, because uh, depending on what happens in Iowa, and as I was saying before, depending on what happens in the, uh, and because the primary schedule has not been set yet. There is the possibility that none of the Democratic frontrunners will get enough delegates and will have a brokered convention, in which case 
Al Gore might step in and be the peacemaker <laughs> and become the nominee of the Democratic Party. I think that's... Pie in the sky, I know, but I like the political drama aspect of it. I think that's not going to happen. Okay. Okay, Aaron. We've, uh, we've gone on very long. Let's end, as we always do, with things that don't suck. What doesn't suck for you? All right. There is a video game store downtown. Yes. Called Game Nut. Yes. Game Nut is a wonderful place. <laughs> it's a fantasy land. They, well, go in and check it out. If you're an old school gamer, they've got just about any old 8-bit Nintendo game that you could ever look for. They've got old Sega games. They have TurboGrafx-16 games, for Christ's sake. For God's sake. They have old Atari. It's you know, it's fun just to kind of go and in. And for there. those who don't, for those who don't know, Aaron Wiley is a, a cartridge whore. He yes. loves he loves the old school gaming. I do, and Game Nut is his haven. I am guilty of that. <laughs> just go in there and look around. It's almost like a video game museum. Yeah, yeah. And you you've dropped. How much money do you think there? I bought Dragon Warrior 3, which is an old 8-bit Nintendo game, <laughs> for $50. You're supporting the local economy, and you're earning your super nerd bona fides at I, the same time. I bought a older, rare Final Fantasy game there, and I am not going to divulge how much money I spent on that. Because <laughs> it's slightly embarrassing. It is. That's but, fine. No, that's fine. I'm, I'm with you, you on know. that. I'm with you on that. Uh, anything else that doesn't suck for you this week, Aaron? The K-State Power Towel. <laughs> <laughs> and um, for everybody keep, out there, keep, just go keep on. Those, keep those towels. Yeah, handy. don't forget your power towel. Go onto YouTube, type in power towel, and watch the video that has a title on the lines of, Hey, K-State, 1992 called, and they want their promotional video back. So it is fantastic. It is wonderful. Uh, I'll say just quickly on my thing that doesn't suck. Halloween. Love it. Specifically, Halloweekends at Worlds of Fun. And Halloweekends are when Worlds of Fun builds basically a bunch of haunted houses throughout the fairgrounds at Worlds of Fun and allows you to not only ride rides with the price of admission, which are still going at this point in the year, they can also go into these haunted houses. So it beats going down to like the West Bottoms in Kansas City and paying 50 bucks for like 20 minutes in the mouth of hell or whatever the recent shitty ones are. I don't even care. You can go to Worlds of Fun for about 25 bucks, hit like four or five haunted houses, man, and still throw up from going on any number of amusement rides. It's everything that Halloween should be. Yeah, Wow. <laughs> and on top of the Halloweekends, I like dressing up, or uh, for those who are familiar with my costumes, dressing down and going out in public and uh, getting drunk. It's, yeah. it's the best holiday of the year. Christmas can't hold the candle. It kicks Thanksgiving's ass. New Year's comes close, but costumes on New Year's are optional. They're mandatory on Halloween. And it has just as much drinking. And by the way, I had, and I don't mean to toot my own horn here, but I had the best Halloween costume ever. It was a few years ago. I went as, I went as Mark Mangino. And 
I honestly looked just like Mark Mangino. It was beautiful. He had so much padding on that people were punching him in the stomach, and he couldn't feel it. We really wanted to throw him down a flight of stairs to see if he would survive, but uh, there were flashbacks to The Exorcist. Uh, We didn't really want to push our luck. I've always wanted to recreate that costume and go as Mark Mangino again sometime. Yes. But I just I just don't think that I would be able to capture the magic. Yes. That lightning I did does not strike first. twice, Aaron. Lightning does not strike twice. But <sighs> lightning right. has struck again in the podcast studio, and Jesus Christ, it's been a long time since we've done one of these, but we promise that we're going to get better about doing them in the future. In fact, we're actually going to be doing them once a week now. Yeah, Isn't we're gonna right we're now? gonna say it so that we're held to this standard, and if we fail, give a shit and bust our balls, please. Uh, but thank you everyone for being so patient uh, with us and listening once more. We promise we'll be back next week. Thank you, everyone. Uh, once again, if you'd like to contact us, www.myspace.com backslash punditocracy. Leave comments on lawrence.com. You have been listening to Punditocracy with Aaron Wiley. Say goodbye, Aaron. Goodbye, y'all. And I have been Gavin Lessig. Bye-bye. Bar, bar.